0: My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zionstone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. So, last week I spoke a little bit about longing, and we talked about the Advent theme of dual waiting. Um, we talked about the theme of the awareness of our own captivity and the longing to be freed, and how that is made available to us through the incarnation of Jesus Christ, is what we'll be celebrating um, this Christmas, well, and every Christmas, but as well as this theme of His return in glory. And this passage from 2 Peter is interesting to me because it starts off telling this is what's going to happen, but then he also says in light of all of this, this is how I want you to live. So the the reading begins with a comment of the patience of the Lord. Uh, God's patience and our patience is not something that's very comparable to us and even to the the people of of St. Peter's time. He has to remind them about God's patience. To us, from our perspective, it seems as if God is slow to keep his promises. And in a sense, we are all like children. Like, you know how it is if you have kids or interact with kids. You know, the other day I told Isaac I would wrestle with him. So, what do you think I heard all day? Dad, let's wrestle. Dad, let's wrestle. Dad, let's wrestle. And I was like, okay, I can't right now. But when I'm done with this, I will in a little bit. Okay, Dad. Dad, can we wrestle? Isaac, be patient. We'll wrestle in a little bit, because from him, right, it is so much fun. To him, in that moment, it seems like we're never going to do it. To him, it seems like in that moment, it's never going to happen, even though we may have hours ahead of us where we can, where we can do that. To me, from my perspective, is we're going to wrestle when I'm finished with what I'm doing, and then I'll wrestle But from his perspective, it seems like I'm taking a long time to turn my attention towards him. And this is our perspective in the light of what St. Peter is saying to his people here. And God seemingly takes a long time because, precisely because of what's going to happen when the Lord comes and what he wants before he comes. You see, when he comes, it says that the heavens and the heavenly bodies will be dissolved and burned and pass away, and the earth and all the works on it will be exposed. The heavenly elements is representative of the spiritual world and the heavens indicative of the spiritual realm, not just the solar system and the, the stars and the sky and the sun and all that and the planets. But the heavenly bodies will be dissolved. The heavenly elements, like I said, representative of the spiritual world and the physical world, right? The, the, the division... That we've made between the spiritual and the physical world will no longer have any meaning because this brothers and sisters is a reordering of the spiritual world and of the natural world it's the two coming together um, in the union that it was always supposed to have and the reason why the lord tarries saint peter reminds us is because he desires all to reach repentance he desires all to reach repentance. Now, there are some who will take this passage of Scripture to mean that all will reach repentance because God desires it. And since God is God, God always gets what he wants. And this, in the Christian tradition, is called, uh, has been called universalism. But that's not necessarily what this text here is teaching. It's the clear teaching, I think, of both Testaments that all will not be saved, even though that God does desire all to be saved. So I believe the best and the most we can say is that we hope and pray that all will be saved, even if the reality is most likely that all will not be saved. In light of all this, then what sort of people should we be? This is the great question. And I think that's the great question when we read the scriptures in general. When we read them, what is it telling us about who are we becoming? It tells us a lot of where we came from tells us a lot about the mistakes of our forebears, but it also lays out for us the sort of people that God expects us to be. And the coming of the Lord at the end of the age that we celebrate here at Advent carries with it the expectation that we need to be prepared to see it. And St. Peter expects that his people will be living lives of godliness and holiness If one calls themselves a Christian but does not live a life of godliness and holiness, can one even call themselves a Christian? Living lives of godliness and holiness, though, does not mean a complete retreat from the world. There have been some that have taken this call to godliness and holiness to mean that God doesn't want us to have any fun or to do anything, but he wants us to stay at home and not wear dresses. If you're a lady, you pass your ankles, and if you're a guy, you can't wear tank tops or cheeky, whatever. Right. That's not what this is saying. That's not living a life of godliness and holiness. It's this cultivation of the life of holiness, living in service to God, to one another. And it does carry a behavioral aspect to it, brothers and sisters. But the point isn't me coming to give you a list of behaviors that you should and shouldn't do. New Testament actually does do that. But it's learning to internalize what we've been given so we can live these lives of godliness and holiness. And I think that these lives of holiness and godliness are marked by joy. And when I think of joy, I think of uh, the wedding I was just at. Uh, my oldest niece uh, just got married on Thursday. It's an odd day for a wedding, uh, I know. Um, but it was an interesting experience because, you know, in August, my, I was there in Florida earlier because my dad had, had passed away. And so we were um, laying him to rest. And then to come back from that sadness to a time of of, of feasting and of joy was, was a very interesting experience. You know, I stopped by, his headstone's not ready yet, but I stopped by his gravesite and spent some time there in prayer and it was just sort of marked by that sadness. And then later on in the evening was this time of joy. And that's what I think living lives of godliness and holiness are, are those times of quiet prayer, but also these times of joy, of dancing, of laughing, of singing, of having good food, of having good drinks and enjoying the good gift of life that God has given us. These are all ways that we can live in lives of holiness and godliness. Because the Christian tradition expects us to fast. It expects us to give these things up. But the thing is, the Christian tradition never says we double down on this austerity and that's it forever. You can't have the fasts of the church without the feasts. Advent, Christmas, Lent. Lent ends with Easter, fasting and feasting. These two things go together. And then he says to them, be diligent to be found by him when he returns, right? In this light of the call of godliness and holiness, let Jesus find you this way when he comes. And then he says, without spot or blemish. And this should sound familiar because crawling babies are cute. In 1 Peter, he says, Knowing you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb, without blemish or spot. Right. So he calls Christ the blood of Christ, that Christ himself is a lamb without blemish, without spot, without anything imperfect or anything harmful or sinful or anything death-like. Christ is that perfect, blemish-free lamb. And then he says when Jesus comes, he needs to find you, without spot or blemish. That the purity of Christ is a purity that we, as his church, have ourselves. St. Peter's expectation is that those who claim to have been redeemed by his blood need to model and emulate their Savior. And this is the sanctification that we have been given as we live it through and maintain through godliness and holiness. And then he has an interesting aside, which I'd like to take a few, just a moment to dwell on. He talks about the twisting of the scriptures. He talks about the twisting of the scriptures, which we see something happening in his own time. And for the writers of the New Testament, for them the scriptures are primarily the Old Testament. But what Saint Peter does here in Second Peter is he equates the writings of Saint Paul with the writings of what we would call the Old Testament. He reads Saint Paul's writings. As scripture. And he says that people twist Paul's words in his letters, and he's like, let's face it, Paul can be really hard to understand. Have you ever read Romans? Yeah. Have you ever heard it read to you? I'm asking you. Have you ever read Romans? I'm gonna close your eyes so I don't see who says no, right? (laughs) Have you ever read First Corinthians? 1 Corinthians is really difficult, especially when you start talking about the spiritual gifts. And Romans is really difficult. What's justification? What does all of this mean? Is it the faithfulness of Christ or faith in Christ? What is all? Like, it's difficult stuff that St. Peter says, the ignorant and the wicked twist to their own destruction. Because those who twist the scriptures, those who use the scriptures to get what they want or to teach something false, not only are dooming themselves, but those who follow them to their own destruction. And brothers and sisters, this is a weighty thing. And as a pastor, sometimes I feel this weight more than others. I'll never forget this. I was, I was recording a podcast with a friend of mine, and we were talking about a very public. Um, there was a massive church in Seattle that split due to some really nasty issues. And, we were just go, and there was a, a, a podcast series that kind of detailed everything that had happened. And so we were talking about it, and I was just, at that moment, just hit with that weight of what we do as pastors, that, like, people, like, listen to what we have to say, and then some people actually do it, right? (laughs) Right, and I know you all do, right? People take what we have to say seriously, and then they use that information to try and best live their lives in Christ. And that's something that's very weighty for me sometimes. And I felt it in that moment, because if somebody like that could lead a bunch of people astray, I need to check my heart and see if I'm not being led astray. And in some ways, brothers and sisters, that's kind of your job, right? As the congregation, if I ever start teaching things that are like false, like Jesus isn't God, or there are many ways to God, or, or you know we're all approaching the mountain in different ways, it is your responsibility to say, thank you. Uh, you need a sabbatical? Uh, <laughs> please go. If you come back and you're still talking like this, then we're going to have to let you go, right? So in light of this, do not be carried away, he says. Do not be carried away because the people who twist scripture are very good at leading people away from the faith. Because if we are carried away, he says, you will lose your own stability in Christ. And that's how we live lives of holiness and godliness, brothers and sisters, by, by living in that stability. And I can't help thinking as well, as I, as I come to a close this morning, he talks about the the, the heavens and the earth and everything about to be uh, dissolved, the dissolution of the heavens, the earth, the planets, and, and all of that stuff. And I can't help but think of, of in our own lives, right, When things start to be dissolved, how will we live in the light of that? I think God allows us to experience hardships to help reorient our lives and our eyes towards what's most important. And sometimes when we experience hardships, we think, you know, I really wish I'd had, I don't have to go through this, but God St. Paul will say in Romans, a very difficult to understand passage, by the way, I think. He says, but God causes all things to work for the good, for those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. And that doesn't mean that God makes everything good, that every situation that you have, God will make it good for you. But it does mean that God will bring some good from it. That's the great mystery Right, And I think that's one of the answers to the question of theodicy. If God is good and all-powerful, why does evil exist? Anyway, that's a whole nother rabbit trail. But I, I can't help but thinking, right? When things in our own life dissolve, what sort of people will we be? And I think that, that those times kind of cast a microscope, right? On, on, on our spiritual lives, on our inner lives. So if you're feeling this dissolution where it feels like everything is being dissolved. Everything's up in the air and you, and you don't know what's going on and what's going to happen. Know that God can use that to help reorient you towards the most important thing in life, which is to love him with all of our hearts, soul and mind and to love our neighbors and ourselves. Even here when these things in our own lives are being dissolved, we can be found by him to be faithful. When things in our lives are being dissolved and we're, we're affected by death or sickness or whatever, even there we can still be faithful. And I think in those times, that's the times when we need to be even we, the double down, right on our lives of prayer and on our lives of, of, of seeking Him. Because even in the midst of those circumstances, he wants to find us prepared and ready and faithful. So my challenge to you, brothers and sisters, this Advent season is if these things are happening in your life, choose to see them as an opportunity to grow in your spiritual maturity, to grow in your faith, to grow in your love for one another and to grow in the love of God for each other and for your families. And may the blessings of our Lord and Jesus Savior, Jesus Christ, be with us this Advent season as we continue on through Christmas. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to sit under it, to hear it, to learn from it, to be changed by it, and to be transformed by it. We thank you that you will help us to live lives of faithfulness to Jesus Christ. We ask that you will... Help us to be prepared and to be found ready when he appears, that you will help us to live lives of holiness and godliness, and that you will continually reorient our eyes, the eyes of our heart and the eyes of our mind, to what matters most. And in Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon Podcast for Zion Stone Church. I'm Rev. Mike Landsman, and I'd like to extend to you an invitation, if you're ever in our area, to please worship with us Sunday mornings at 1015. If you'd like to get a hold of me, or would like some information about the church, or just have some questions, feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook page or via email. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.